Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the remain standing for the reading of the scripture. Uh, our scripture lesson comes from Psalms 33:12 this morning. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, 
the people he chose for his inheritance. Please join me in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you as we, as we celebrate the birth of our nation, Lord. Help us to understand that to you much has been given, much shall be required, Lord, and that you have blessed us so richly, Lord. But where our inheritance is being part of your kingdom, Lord, and we can be difference makers to bring people to you and to your kingdom. We are so thankful for the way you have blessed us so greatly. Help us never to take that for granted, Lord, but help us also to keep our eye on the mission that you have for us, Lord, and the change that you want us to be in this world, Lord, and that you are there walking every step with us, Lord, empowering us with the tools we need and blessing us with tremendous blessings in this country, Lord, with tremendous freedoms, but also with tremendous responsibility. In your holy name we pray, Lord. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, Steve. You may be seated. The Sunday of 4th of July can always be a, an interesting time because we're not here to worship the flag. We're not here to worship our country and all the blessings that come along with it. But we're here to worship the author and the perfecter of our faith. The faith that our country was built upon. And there will be those who will tell you that that's a myth, that our, our country wasn't built upon that faith. And not all of our founding fathers had their theology in, in the right direction. But more than not, our country was founded upon the Word of God, was founded upon His principles. And that's what we're here to be thankful for this morning. That's what we're here to worship this morning, is the one and the true living Lord who gives us a hope that there are better days ahead and that this place is not our home. Our home is on the other side. And so as we continue to worship this morning, let's remember the one that we truly come to worship this morning. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Fires of a hundred circling camps, they have builded him an altar there. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. 
sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sitting at the hearts of men before the judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea. With a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to men, make holy, let us live to make men free. While God is marching on, let's all stand together. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. We can almost hear the trumpet sound. The Lord's return is near. There are still so many people lost. His message they must hear. Father, give us one more moment, one more day, just one more year. With God we're marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Amen. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. to thee. 
seated. Children, any children that we have here this morning, if you would make your for way forward this morning for, excuse me, for our children's time. It may be a little sparse this morning. Uh, a lot of our kids are uh, going to be on their way home here shortly from preteen camp, so uh, remember them in prayer as they travel. I'm glad you guys are here, though. I get the best kids. Do you think we have the very best kids here today? Yeah, probably so, right? Not too many, but that's okay. We can even count them, can't we? Almost on one hand. Well, we got a big birthday coming up. Whose birthday is it? Hmm. Whose birthday's coming up? If you come with Grammy, then yeah. Whose birthday is coming up? Hmm. Anybody you know? Grammy's birthday. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else got a birthday coming up? Bryce. What day is your birthday? The 6th of July. Anybody else have a birthday coming up? Do you have a birthday coming up? When? The 18th. Wow. Did you all call me on my birthday? <laughs> we don't have phones. I don't know when your birthday is. It's June 24th, and you didn't call, by the way. She has a phone. Have you she ever has had someone call you on your birthday from this church? She has a phone, but she didn't call you. <laughs> Every time, who calls? Oh, I call. Well, I think we should make a call today. Because somebody else has a birthday coming up. And if you guys don't know, maybe we could ask the adults. Oh, maybe. I know. Who? The United States. The United States. Wow. You guys made me work pretty hard for that one. We had to work pretty hard for that one, even after we sang all those patriotic songs. So how old is the United States going to be tomorrow? 200-something, that's a great guess. 246. Yes, you're right. 246 years old. And we are so thankful to be able to live in the United States. Mr. Clint's going to talk to us in just a minute about some things that are happening in other countries that, that we're so thankful don't happen here. And what is one thing that I try to do when I call you on your birthday at the very end of the call? Pray, pray for you, right? So what if we pray for our country? Mr. Steve did a wonderful job of praying earlier and reminding us that, that we are a blessed nation if God is our Lord, if we worship the Lord. So why don't we pray together and then we're going to talk about someone else's birthday. Are you ready for that? It's not really a birthday, but anyway, let's pray for the country, okay? Lord, we do thank you so much that we get to live in the United States of America. And sometimes uh, we almost feel like we're not supposed to be proud of living here. We're like 
there's so many things that are wrong that we shouldn't like the United States or that, as Mr. Jeff said earlier, it's like it has nothing to do with you. But, Lord, we know that, as we will see through the message in a few minutes, you have everything to do with this country. And I pray that just as you uh, show us on the back of a $1 bill that you smile on our beginnings, we pray that you would smile on our continuations and each and every day of what we do would bring pleasure, honor, and glory to you. So we thank you for the United States, and we do pray that your favor and blessing would be upon this country. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now before you leave, it's not really a birthday, but it's actually it's called an anniversary. Do you know what an anniversary is? Nope. An anniversary is like a birthday, but it's not really a birthday. Does that make sense? No. It's not about somebody being born, but it's about something starting. And today is a very important day because somebody's anniversary starts today. Do you have any idea who that is? Not mine. I'm a dinosaur. I've been here a long time. But there's been somebody that's brand new today. Do you know who Stephen and Alex are? This is their very first Sunday with us as youth minister. And you guys, when you grow up, you're going to get to be under Stephen's ministry. Isn't that cool? So we're going to pray for him. So Mr. Clint's going to come up here while you guys migrate back to your seats. And we're starting an anniversary today. And we're going to pray. Thank you for that hug. Happy birthday. Do I have to call you? You don't care. Is that the way everybody feels? I don't care. So we do have uh, Stephen and Alex with us this morning. Before they come up and join me, I'd, I'd like to take a couple of moments to deal with some administrative issues. I uh, just want to thank the committee uh, that was a part of this effort. Uh, Ryan Underdown uh, was uh, the one who led our committee, uh, provided you know, great administrative insight and organization to keeping us all together and keeping us on task. I think um, uh, Pastor Raymond was doubly vested in making sure that we got a youth minister as quickly as possible because he was a uh, uh, pastor and youth minister all at the same time. So he was really interested in us doing our work well. Uh, personally speaking, it was a good committee for me and Joe and uh, David Mosley because for me, it was the first time to spend time on a church leadership committee with my son, Peter. Uh, and I know Dave was proud of, of Joe's work on the committee, so it was pretty cool to, for a dad and a son uh, to, to participate on that committee and, and provide some church leadership. Uh, what's that? Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Raymond said something and Mike wouldn't pick him up. So, uh, <clears throat> but uh, we had great support from uh, from uh, Jeff and Raymond. Uh, they provided good insight, kept us on task, and and uh, kept us thinking about uh, important milestones as we went along the way. I would also say though that we had great leadership from the Holy Spirit. Uh, anytime you have five or six or seven people in the room and they start reaching the same conclusions, it has to be a miracle. Um, it's the Spirit guiding and directing us to, to cause our desires uh, to be not necessarily like one another, though that's where it ends up. It's, it's really that our desires would be like His. He gives us the desires of our hearts, uh, and He certainly has done that 
uh, with this committee, and I'm, and I'm thankful uh, to have been able to participate in that. Um, outside of the committee's work, I think we owe, uh, as a church, owe a, a special word of thanks to, uh, to Raymond and, and to Peter. Um, Peter's been assisting with uh, youth leadership now for several years in an intern program, an internship, uh, and that's really kind of come around to more of a hands-on role. Um, the Lord has led Heather and Ray, uh, Lane in a different direction, and that made opportunities for Peter to kind of step up into a leadership role with the youth and do that. And certainly, uh, when the lead pastor at the church becomes your ministry and partner, uh, your partner in ministry, it's it's uh, a real blessing, and it certainly was for Peter. They began ministry, Raymond and uh, Peter began this kind of youth co-op ministry back in August of last year. And if you think about it, over the, the weeks and months, that's over 100 uh, events minimum of pulling together something meaningful and spiritual for a group of young people, uh, whether it's a, a fun activity or a time in the Word or whatever it might be, camps, hot hearts, different things like that. It's a lot of work that Stephen has kind of stepped up to the table to do. It's, it's taken two of them to do that job over this past year. So uh, you have broad shoulders, and, and we're thankful that you're finally here, no one more than Raymond. Um, so Alex and, and Stephen, if y'all would uh, come on up here and, and join us at the front. Also, I know there's a number of our uh, youth committee search uh, folks that are out, but those of you who are here, uh, could you join us? I see Joe and, and Peter, and I don't know if Christy's here, but if you were on that search committee, please join us. And then if anyone else would like to join us, so we're going to have a, a moment of prayer and of thanks for what the Lord's done and, and kind of brought to a point here this morning. So if anyone else would like to join us, I know Raymond would like to because he's turning over the mantle. Uh, <laughs> so well, let's... Uh, yeah, join us if you'd like. I know Lauren is very thankful that Stephen is here. So let's pray. Father, uh, it's, it's a good culmination here this morning of, of seeing Stephen and, Alan, and Alex before us. We thank you for the ministry that you've put on uh, Stephen's heart. We thank you for calling him to this ministry. Uh, we know that he's been doing it for years, and you've been working through him to accomplish your will in his life. Uh, but we're thankful, Father, for uh, this being kind of a, a start, a starting point of his vocational ministry. We pray your rich blessing in his life. We pray, Father, uh, that he would be a man of faith, that he would be a man that listens to you and steps out in faith to accomplish all that you would challenge him to do in the lives of the young people here at Westgate. We thank you for Alex. We thank you that she certainly supports Stephen's ministry, but we're thankful, Father, that you've also called her to things. Uh, we're thankful for the career that she has, and we pray that you would uh, just open doors for her to be uh, blessed in, in the, the Jefferson County area, in the Beaumont area, to find uh, employment in her field, and that uh, the ones that uh, you bring into her life, that you to, to bring this day to to pass, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Now Stephen will sing. <laughs> I thought he was preaching. <laughs>
there was an opportunity this morning uh, to receive a bit of news from uh, Rilsk, Russia. Uh, while in Sunday school, I got a text message from Yulia, um, and her mom and dad report that uh, the business going on in Russia right now is not over. Um, so it appears that the Ukrainians are launching some type of uh, recovery or offensive or whatever at the, in the southern part of Russia that now impacts Victor and Natasha directly. Uh, missiles have traveled across the city where Victor and Natasha live. Uh, some of those missiles are being shot down. The debris, of course, falls. Uh, and uh, in that area, uh, over 40 apartment homes have been damaged by falling debris from missiles that are launched and shot down. Uh, a number of people have been injured, uh, but <laughs> Victor and Natasha are still out in it. Uh, and this past week, finished a week of ministry of passing out Bibles and bread and food and ministering in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, so, though we don't see a lot of it on our U.S. news right now about the, the war going on in Ukraine and, and southern Russia, People we know and love are still being impacted by that. Mm -hmm. And so let's uh, ask the Lord to, to minister to them. Mm -hmm. Father, as we think about Victor and Natasha, we love them and we're thankful for the opportunity to be a part of their life and ministry. We thank you now since 97, 96, uh, that the Westgate Church has been partners with them uh, in, in supporting the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, in this part of the Kursk Oblast. And now, Father, uh, our friends uh, are experiencing uh, the difficulties of war, and it's, it's no surprise to you. You've seen this year in and year out, Father, but we do call on you to protect and keep uh, them. Uh, we ask you to guard their lives, to protect their lives, and the lives of those who minister alongside with them, Father. Uh, we know that we don't often understand all aspects of your will, uh, but even when we don't understand, Father, uh, we see so many Christians who have faithfully trusted you through difficult times, and we want to be among those who trust you and follow you through difficult times. And we want to lift up those whom we love, uh, both personally and in Christ, uh, that you would give them strength to minister, that you would give them wisdom on when to make trips uh, out into the area, where, where to go, when to go, and how to do that. We pray that your spirit would guide them as they have opportunities for spiritual conversations uh, with people, that they would utilize the difficulty of the moment and the mortality that we realize in those moments to point people to your son, our Savior, Jesus. And we ask that in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Clint. I was kind of anticipating he's going to get up and preach next. But uh, <laughs> Well, let me say, first of all, that it was a joy to be a part of the youth ministry over this past year. Uh, went up there and, you know, we're all scared of kids, right? Of youth. That's why most of you don't volunteer. You're afraid of them. And I was the same way. It's like, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to relate to them. And it was kind of awkward in the beginning. And they felt like um, maybe they wanted somebody younger than me. But we kind of found our rhythm, and we just bonded together, and it was really neat. And I, I will say, Peter, wherever you are, could not have done this without you. You did a tremendous job. Uh, I was just kind of the sidekick to Peter. 
and he really carried uh, the mail for us. And so thank you for that. I want to thank Lane again. Lane led so well for five years, and when, when he left, uh, it was a seamless transition for us to pick up. I mean, I, Lane, I don't know how many times I pulled out that, all that information you left on that sheet for me of just this is what you need to do, when, where, and how. And that made such a big difference. So thanks so much for that. And Stephen and Alex, what a delight to have you guys here. And trial by fire, throw you right into a camp as soon as you get here. They leave for camp on, on Tuesday. They just drove down from Fort Worth to relocate here, and now they're going back to Fort Worth for a camp. But it's going to be great. And I think uh, if you were paying attention earlier at the very beginning of the service, you saw that video and it talked about Difference Makers, the study that we're going to begin next week. I want to encourage all of you to be a part of that. And you're wondering who Greg Mott is. Uh, anybody here from A&M or heard of A&M? I figured we'd get one of those whoop-whoop things out of, out of them. But uh, Greg Mott was the founder of Breakaway. And that's a ministry that, that if you know anything about A&M, you know that thousands, not just hundreds, but thousands of students go to that on a weekly basis. And he was the one who started that in his apartment uh, when he was there at A&M. And he's got so much to give us. He is the, uh, the, the pastor that followed after the, the legendary John Bassanio over at Houston's First Baptist. Has written an excellent book. It's a great study. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to get acquainted with each other, for you to meet who your deacon is, because we've restructured the way that the deacons function with families. And you may have a brand new deacon. We want you to meet them. And so if you would, at the end of the service, as Jeff alluded to earlier, now how many of you have bought a book for a card? A card. That's all you had to do. Not money. If you will take this card and put your name and phone number on there, when you leave today out in the atrium, you can pick up a book. It won't cost you a thing, but you do have to exchange for a card so your deacon will know that you are planning to participate in that. So I hope you'll fill that out. Well, happy 4th anniversary. Start over. Happy July 4th weekend. Tomorrow we celebrate 246 years as a nation. It's the birthday of our beloved United States. And you know, uh, as we go through this message, as I alluded to in the prayer earlier, we're living in a time where you almost feel shamed for liking the United States, or you feel as if it doesn't have anything to do with God. And I want us to take some time this morning to recognize that God has everything to do with the United States. And we celebrate that and to recognize that even though it is a wonderful place to live, the greatest place, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. It is not the kingdom of God, but it is a way that the kingdom of God has used to advance the kingdom of God. I've told you many times, being in other parts of the world on various mission trips, people are always interested to know what the United States thinks. The United States has enormous influence, and so I want us to be thinking clearly about who we are. Well, the year before I graduated from high school, the class above us bragged that they were the greatest class that had ever gone through Buena High School because they were going to be graduating during the country's bicentennial year. Now, none of us in high school could spell bicentennial, but we knew it was a really big deal as we celebrated the 200th anniversary of the United States. And I remember the upperclassmen talking about how their 50th high school reunion would take place on the 250th anniversary of America, so that was one more reason that they were the very best class that had ever graduated. Looking back on that time in 1976, 
it's somewhat mind-boggling to think about the portion of history that I had experienced at that point in comparison to now. I had just turned 17 about a week and a half before the bicentennial. So that means my life back then encompassed less than 10% of U.S. history. But 46, 46 years later, at 63, I've now seen one-fourth of American history. How about you? What percentage of U.S. history have you experienced? So do a little math. Okay, you ready? You ready? Okay, take your age, and I want you to divide that by 246. Your age divided by 246 and multiply that by 100, and you will have the percentage of U.S. history that you have experienced. Now, I have friends in their 90s, Ward McCurtain being one over here, have seen nearly 40% of what has happened over these 246 years. Ward asked me earlier during the Sunday school hour if I was going to be waxing patriotic today. Well, I'm going to be talking about our heritage of faith in America, but you'll have to decide whether I waxed or waned. So what were things like in 1776? For one, if we had lived back there, knowing what we know now, we wouldn't have complained about the taxes. But back then, it was a point of great contention because they had an effective tax rate of 1.5%. The average size of a family was six people compared to three today. Today, about 9% of Americans own their own business. Things were much different in 1776. Almost everyone was an entrepreneur, and most of their work took place on the family farm. And that explains why, in all honesty, they ate much better than we do today. But unfortunately, the average lifespan was less than half of what we would expect today. We can generally hope for about 78 years. Back then, they fully expected to die by the age of 38. And the whole population of the United States in 1776, 2.5 million people, roughly 130 times smaller than today. Well, that's kind of life in the, United, in the United States back in 1776, but it'd be interesting to know about the religion and faith back then. We've heard a lot of the word precedent being thrown around in recent years, and specifically in recent days, uh, addressing Supreme Court activity. Oxford defines precedent like this, an earlier event or action that's regarded as an example or guide to be considered in subsequent similar circumstances. That's precedent. We've heard a lot about that. Michelle and I came to understand precedent in a new way last month when we were up in Dallas for our son's birthday, and we were walking around in the downtown area. Now, I was born in Dallas, but haven't spent a lot of time walking in downtown. So we were walking through, we found Thanksgiving Square. Didn't remember a lot about it, so we began to walk through there. It's a very interesting place. It's a private park in a public square dedicated to the concept of giving gratitude to God. And Peter, you're checking my notes. You're going to love this next part. It was dedicated in, in 1976 during the bicentennial. 
And the driving force behind it was a Dallas businessman named Peter Stewart. He wanted to create a place that would carry such great meaning that it would still be remembered with wonderful significance 200 years later when America celebrated her quarter centenary, the 400th birthday. But like so many things today, its grand purpose has been diluted by it trying to basically represent nothing because it tries to represent everything. How many times have we seen that in our country? By trying to represent everything, we end up representing absolutely nothing. The concept of giving gratitude to God as you walk through Thanksgiving Square, you recognize that they're trying to give gratitude to everybody for everything. And on the perimeter of that square, you will find the words of our 16th president. It's found in his proclamation that was given in March 30th, 1863. Now, I'm about to read something, and I know some of you have a real difficult time just listening to me when I talk, but it's even harder when somebody's reading. And I'm going to read some things. I'm going to read his proclamation. It'll take me a couple of minutes. I really want you to dial in your concentration ability because this is the president of the United States of America speaking to the citizenship of the United States with a very important message. And, and listen, and I want you to hear, and you'll hear the phrase that was on the perimeter of Thanksgiving Square up in Dallas. It says, whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God. Friends, remember, this is the President of the United States speaking to the United States. That God Almighty, in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations, as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions, in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all of history, that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Psalm 33, 12 that Steve read earlier. The president continues, speaking to the people of the United States. And inasmuch as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us, listen, for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. And here's the phrase that's on the perimeter of Thanksgiving Square. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our own hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success 
We've become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us, President of the United States, speaking to the United States. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I do, by this proclamation, designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. I do hereby request that all peoples to abstain on that day from the ordinary secular pursuits and to unite at their several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge and the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. All this being done in, sincere, in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings, no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, done at the city of Washington, the 30th day of March in the year of our Lord, 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 87th by President Abraham Lincoln. From the White House to your house, in America, it happens. Why did you hear the precedent? The precedent we talk so much about precedents in recent days in our nation's history. If President Lincoln was saying, we have forgotten God, then that means the precedent was that we remember God. The precedent of the United States is remembering God, not forgetting God. And that should not be construed as some kind of political statement or position because, interesting enough, President Obama and President Trump were both sworn into office with Lincoln's Bible. And that was a tradition that was begun by our very first president. It wasn't a legal requirement, still is not a legal requirement. But most every one of our 46 presidents have taken the oath of office with their hand on a Bible. John Quincy Adams uh, was one that was, did not. He used a law book because he felt like he was, it was more applicable to upholding the Constitution. Teddy Roosevelt was sworn in very hastily because William McKinley had been assassinated and they'd been 12 hours without a president. Word news traveled very slowly back then, and so very hastily he was sworn in without a Bible, as was Lyndon Johnson after the assassination of President Kennedy. Interesting enough, and sadly, they couldn't find a single Bible in all of Air Force One. But he did use a Bible in his second inauguration. It was George Washington who began that tradition on April 30th, 1789, when he was inaugurated, Old City Hall in New York. That was because Washington, D.C. didn't go into construction until 1790, a year later. They used a borrowed Bible 
They opened it up to a random page hastily. He took the oath of office, and then he kissed the Bible to the cheers and the, the thrills of all the people that were there. So, why would we yield to the notion that our country doesn't have its roots in faith? That's so prevalent today. But as we look back on history, we find that we are rooted in faith in the Lord. If we were to yield to that notion, that's like saying that the Wright brothers and the Henry, and the Henry Ford didn't have any impact on transportation. That's like saying Starbucks doesn't have anything to do with coffee. Or the NFL never intended for teams to compete in football. Or that companies like Google, Apple, Meta, and Amazon would do just fine without the internet. It's crazy. Let me read to you, and I know I've read to you a little bit, and do you need to stand up for a minute before I read again? Just kind of want to keep you engaged here, all right? I'm going to read a little bit more. This is from Supreme Court Document 21-418. Very recent history. You saw recently about the situation in which Coach Kennedy from over in Washington, who now lives in Florida, uh, was vindicated for his public prayer uh, as a football coach. He did that seven years uh, before anything happened, and then it was seven years in the courts. Listen to what it says in this document. High school football coach Joseph Kennedy, listen to this, friends, because we need to be very aware of the danger of prayer in public squares. Engaged in 30 seconds of personal prayer at the conclusion of a football game. Friends, we need to know that America believes in prayer if they would spend seven years fighting a coach praying for 30 seconds after a football game. The reporters said that if you were to watch that experience, it looked like someone was tying their shoe out in the middle of the field. It goes on to say that they first suspended him and then placed on administrative leave. The Ninth Circuit upheld the district's discriminatory averse employment actions as necessary to avoid a governmental establishment of religion. For many individuals with sincerely held religious beliefs, their faith is lived out in every aspect of their life, and so it should be. That's why I wanted to take some time to talk about our country today, because I don't want us to be a church that's like, man, we don't have any clue as to what's going on in the world around us. Fourth of July weekend, and we just blow along like nothing is happening. I want us to be very aware of what's going on. Our faith should intersect with everything that we do. It says that, that, that for many people, their faith does intersect with every aspect of their life. This is a Supreme Court document. Faith is pervasive. It is a central component of daily decisions and interactions. It is a critical component of their personality and cannot be left at home or checked at the front door to the workplace. Thus, personal faith for many people is often an essential component of answering the call for and participating in public service. Supreme Court document I'm reading from. President Abraham Lincoln echoed this sentiment, emphasizing the importance of faith in God when he said, I would be the most foolish person on this footstool earth if I believed for one moment that I could perform the duties assigned to me without the help of one who is wiser than all. It goes on to say, the non-proselytizing expression of personal faith. Coach Kennedy wasn't out there in the middle of the field trying to get everybody to conform to what he was doing. The non-proselytizing expression of personal faith through prayers offered by public officials, Supreme Court, 
has been part of our nation's rich lifeblood from the founding of the Republic to the present. That just happened. So we have traced through history their rootedness in faith right up to the present that reminds us of our rootedness in our faith. But we live in a time in which people seem to think that that's the wrong way to go. From, from 1999 to 2008, the U.S. Mint uh, designated and designed a quarter for each one of the 50 states, and you may have been a collector of those. Well, 2005 proved to be a pretty challenging year in that process because a unique mistake was made upon the California and the Kansas quarters. Because of a mechanical malfunction, it left a number of quarters imprinted with, in God we rust, left off the T, in God we rust. And that seems to be a strong consensus for some in America today, that they believe that following after God will lead to deteriorating results and outcomes. Yet we know that trust in God actually leads to the exact opposite. Without God, we will rust. But when we trust in God, we will experience life in all of its abundance. Abraham Lincoln and countless others have reminded us that America was founded on the belief that we cannot survive individually or collectively without God. When turmoil was swirling on June 28th of 1787, as the delegates gathered to form the government of the United States of America, do you remember what happened from history? They didn't have a clue as to what they were doing. All they did was argue and bicker, and everybody had a different idea. It was an absolute train wreck. So on June the 28th of 1787, Benjamin Franklin stood up and he refocused all of the delegates with one singular motion, that they would begin each day with prayer. The motion didn't pass then because of all the contentiousness, but they did start to pray. And you know now that our leaders in Washington open every day of session with prayer. And what he said in the motion, he said, we have seen our total dependence upon God to deliver us through this war against Great Britain. And then he asked, like Lincoln warned, Franklin asked, have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Reading again. Okay, you ready? I won't read to you next week as much, okay? If you'll come back. Read to you just a little bit more. Are you okay with that? It doesn't really matter. I'm going to read anyway. Okay. <clears throat> the 81-year-old statesman then concluded by saying, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Referencing Psalm 127, 1. And as noted, congressional leaders have been praying ever since. Listen to what is said by our presidents through the years, and just a few of them. John Adams, our second president. I believe the Bible to be the only system that ever did or ever will preserve a republic in the world. Teddy Roosevelt, 26th president. A very large number of people tend to forget that the teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and entwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally 
I do not mean figuratively, I mean literally impossible for us to figure to ourselves what life would be if these teachings were removed. Skipping down to the 30th president, Calvin Coolidge. The foundation of our society and government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Then to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, some of you old enough to remember him, 32nd president, longest serving president in U.S. history, four elected to four terms. He warned, we cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the republic. So the precedent of the United States of America is it was founded and preserved on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about this precedent and how many of our leaders have said, you have forgotten, you have forgotten, you have forgotten through the years. You cannot forget what you did not once know. Stephen and Alex are going to try to get your name. The very worst thing that you can do to them on your second meeting is to say, remember me? We have a little pack going on. You tell them your name 15 different times. Every time you meet them for the first 15 times, you say your name slowly so that they can get that. Now imagine somebody walking in from the street that has never met them and they know they're new here and they kind of jack with them a little bit and they come up and say, hey, hey, remember me? Well, he wouldn't remember because he never knew them. See, we can't forget God if we never knew God. And that's what our leaders were saying. The precedent is that we've known God. Yes, we've had somewhat of a precedent kind of getting spiraled into our culture that, that we are to forget God. But the precedent of the United States is to remember God. So I'm going to appeal to us today that we would, and, and I, just before I say this, we can get this all tangled up with nationalism and all the other likes, but friends, our faith should intersect. Somebody is going to be in charge of our country, right? It might as well be Christians, huh? Or do we want somebody else to just say, well, let's forget God and move on. Our faith should intersect and we should not deny our faith and the impact it has had on our country. America is not the kingdom of God. And so we shouldn't treat it with highest priority. That's why it's even a struggle to have these flags appear. United States flag is in the place of predominant over the Christian flag. It shouldn't be that way. That's protocol. That's what it's called for. But the United States flag should be subservient to the Christian flag. So you hear me on that, right? Okay. So my proposal is that we proclaim, as does the highest point in our nation's capital. When the Washington Monument was built, it was the highest, the tallest structure in the entire world. And when they finished that, they engraved on a capstone of that unmistakable American icon. If you think of America and you have one picture to draw, what are you going to draw? The Washington Monument. On that unmistakable icon of America, the Washington Monument 
engraved at the very top of the pinnacle of it, proclaiming to all of our, national, our, our nation's capital and to all the world, Laos Deo, praise be to God. When people want to say God has nothing to do with America, let's say, well, let's go to the top of the Washington Monument and see. Because as they presented that icon of who we are, they said it's capped off with a statement, praise be to God. Psalm 33, 12, several times today, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So may we give our country the very best birthday gift of all, hearts that are fully surrendered to Christ. Do you know Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? He has created you out of love to have a relationship with him. But because of our sin, and going back to even what President Lincoln said, our presumptuous sin that we don't need God, the rebellion against God, the self-sufficiency, I don't need you. Our sin has separated us from God. But thankfully, Jesus Christ can make us right with God. All we have to do is humbly repent of our sins, turn to Christ, and fully surrender our life to him. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to join me in this prayer that begins a relationship with Christ. Beginning point, just the beginning point. And if you're already a Christian, I would pray, I would, I would ask that you would voice part of this prayer, that you would fully, again, surrender your life to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you have given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, and we're reminded that in Scripture, and this nation is a gift from you. Lord, shame on us for letting others hijack that reality, that truth, the facts. And God, may we stand tall in the belief that we are always infinitely better following after you. May we never shirk away from that. Others will share their different opinions, and we live in a land where anybody can believe whatever they want to believe. But God, may we never forget that the greatest need of our life is to know you as Lord and Savior. And if anyone here has never done that, I pray that they would voice a prayer similar to this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, that phrase, may it be the mantra of our lives, hearts fully surrendered to you all the days of our life. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you all. Thanks for listening. If you have a decision that you would like to make to receive Christ, someone to pray with you, maybe to recommit your life to Christ, to follow in believer's baptism, any decision that you feel like God is leading you, I'll be standing over at the crosses and you can also meet us at the Connection Center after the service. But let's stand together and let's worship as we conclude this service. Come.
forget to stop by the table and sign up for our Southern River Bible study. Hope you have a great afternoon and happy 4th of July.